0: Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, knowing how to respond to the question. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of the show, where I'll be sharing with you not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. So we can talk about it, yeah. We can talk about it, So we can talk about it, talk about it, yeah. Let's talk about it, yeah. Talk about grooming. Grooming can be defined with one word: preparation. Preparation for work. Preparation for school, or in the instances of abuse, preparation for sex. Now, what a lot of people may not understand that with grooming, it does not have to be criminal in nature. With grooming, quite often, but not always, quite often, it's a gradual process. And grooming can be done both publicly and privately. Now, think of an instance where a young child is spending a lot of time with a family member, male or female, and that family member supports them, listens to them, encourages them, motivates them. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that kind of interaction with that child. However, we have to think about the motives and we have to call the motives into question. Grooming in certain instances could be playing video games. In fact, I know of a case of a young boy who'd be playing video games with an older man and eventually that child was sexually abused. Grooming can also be listening. And I say that because I've met young girls and women who date a man 10 or 20 years older than her. And when I've asked the question, why is it that you're in a relationship with this guy in a very non-accusatory and non-judgmental fashion, the response has consistently remained the same. It's because he listens to me. In fact, by my own admission, I once had a crush on a guy who was old enough to be my biological father. Now, was he good looking? I guess you could say yes reasonably so, but the one thing that drew me towards him was actually, in a spirit of transparency, the fact that he listened to me. Now, I had no intentions of entering into a romantic relationship, dating him or marrying him, but his ability to listen to me made him more attractive. And so what I want you to understand is that grooming could simply be being a support system. And when you understand that it could put you on high alert. Hopefully you will not develop paranoia and anybody who listens to you you suspect you're being groomed but it will hopefully enable you to see things from a different perspective because with grooming in my experience it was so subtle and so gradual and then from that grooming it led on to abuse. In my instance The abuse started with tickling and my stepfather's hands slipped and that is why I am very much against tickling because of my own personal experience with that. I also want to point out that in my experience, when I was groomed, as best as I can explain this, it was separate from the abuse and what I mean by that, in the daytime, my stepfather would give me candy special privileges, let me stay up late, he became my best friend. Now in the night, whilst I was trying to sleep, I was a victim of attempted rape, but in the daytime, he would give me special privileges. Now, for many, many years, I have always used the term stepfather, and I use that term today, and there are some professionals who may have fought with that and say, he was not your stepfather. Legally on paper he was, but stepfathers do not sexually abuse their children. What is quite sad in my case is that my stepfather was inadvertently better than my real father because he provided support, he listened to me, he taught me to cook, taught me to ride a bike. We had a very strong relationship outside of the abuse. However. Although my father was absent, he did not sexually abuse me. So therefore, in fact, the absent father is better than the stepfather. But it's quite difficult to kind of come to grips with that reality. That somebody who's absent is better than somebody who's present. Because as I said, the grooming was separate. And what I mean by that is there are instances when a child who is abused, they are almost rewarded. It's as though they receive something in return for sexual favors. As though that individual is being prostituted for want of a better word. Now that is very difficult for any person who fights against abuse or exploitation to get their head around. Because we know that a child cannot be a prostitute. There is no such thing as a child prostitute. Absolutely not. So I want to be clear on that. But the point I'm making is that in some instances a child receives a reward and is abused or is abused and receives a reward. And as we'll discuss human trafficking later on, we'll have a look at the different sides of trafficking and how a pimp, a trafficker, can take advantage of that victim through the various means and sometimes through offers and rewards. As I shared last week, I was never frightened into silence. I was never threatened. In fact, my stepfather never acknowledged in the day what was going on at night. I must point out that he was an alcoholic, but I want to expand on that by explaining that him being an alcoholic had absolutely, in my opinion, nothing to do with him abusing me. In my current role working with victims of domestic violence, I work with women who are alcoholics. These women are not going on to perpetrate, to my knowledge, sexual abuse against any child. The point I'm trying to make, being under the influence of alcohol, did not make my stepfather a pedophile. Think about when you go into a liquor store, a convenience store, and you see a bottle of alcohol. And it may have a warning sign. Warning, do not drink and drive. There may be some form of warning on that bottle of alcohol. But I must say there is no warning sign. If you drink this, if you become intoxicated by this, you will go on to sexually abuse your stepson or stepdaughter. It does not say that because quite frankly that is not the case. I believe that my stepfather used the alcohol to give him the confidence to do what he always wanted to do and that is to violate me as a child. Now this may or may not surprise some of you but my stepfather had a biological child who was just one year older than me. Now there are some people who will not understand that they'll say but he had a daughter of his own. Sadly that is often the reality. In fact I know of another individual who I heard had raped one of their family members. However, unfortunately, for whatever reasons, that case was NFA'd, no further action. This individual was somebody I was close to at the time, and not at the time of the allegation, but some while later. And I opened up to him and confided in him about being a victim of abuse. I'm very, very disappointed to say that he too tried to groom me. You may wonder how, considering the fact I had been abused from 4 to 10 and been groomed during that duration. You may wonder, well, how did that happen? Because I should have been clued up, per se. I was in my teenage years. I understood grooming. I understood abuse. So how could it have happened again? And I will explain. Quite simply, he listened to me. Once again, he provided that support He did not provide finances. He did not provide stability, money, accommodation, none of those things. All he did was listen. And I think that some of us, we do not understand the value of listening. The true importance of listening. And I say that because there are men who have affairs. There are women who have affairs. There are men who will purchase the services of a prostitute and sit and talk to them. Why is that? Because somebody is actually listening. What is sad about that is that this man has had to pay for that privilege. Sadder still is he has a wife at home who doesn't listen. The world would be a better place if we changed our responses, our reactions and our behaviors in certain instances. And one thing I think that we could all do so much better, myself included, is to listen. It's not so much about listening to what's coming out of a person's mouth, but it's to listen to what is not being said. One of the great skills I have is I'm able to elicit information from people, truthfully and in transparency. Why is that? Number one, I ask the right questions. Number two, I listen. And number three, I observe. In fact, there is one instance of a young girl who I knew And I remember asking her, Why are you and your boyfriend having sex? And she laughed at me. And that was my answer. Now she too was a born-again Christian. And according to the Bible, it is very clear that when you are single, that is, not married, you need to abstain from having sexual relationships with another person. And including with an animal. The Bible covers bestiality. And it also covers sex outside of marriage. So when I asked this question, I was asking that person this question about their boyfriend because as Christians, the Bible is very clear, we need to save sex until marriage. When I asked the question, I did not get a response. And even up to today, I did not get a direct response to that question. But the laughter and the body language and the evasion of eye contact spoke volumes. As I discussed in a previous episode about disclosures of abuse, you've got to give off the right vibes and you too need to read the vibes that are coming in your direction. Every single one of us has a vulnerability. And if you grab a copy of my book, Can You Keep a Secret? You'll see in there that I discuss in great lengths a chapter called What is Your Currency? Which is delved out of the topic of grooming. Enabling each and every one of us to determine what our currency is, because I am convinced if we can all determine our own currency, our own vulnerability, then that will help us to safeguard ourselves from being exploited, being abused, being taken advantage of, and it doesn't even have to be sexual. Because let's be realistic, the people closest to us are the ones who can take advantage of us the most because when our guard is down, they'll get to see who we really are underneath the surface. Understand, any person, young or old, can be taken advantage of. And I say that because I see time and time again, older women who were taken advantage of by men and even men who were taken advantage of by women. Grooming, being groomed, it is an equal opportunity employer. Grooming does not discriminate. Any one of us can be groomed. And it is really important for us to understand that. What is the concept of currency? Now, I love the term currency because number one, when it comes to sexual exploitation, there's exchange of services for money. Also, currency can change. It could be pounds, dollars. Philippine pesos currency changes. The question, what is your currency, is exactly about what is your vulnerability. When a child has been sexually abused at a young age, they develop ACEs. ACEs is in reference to adverse childhood experiences. And when I say they develop ACEs, that child Has experienced a form of trauma in their life which affects the development of their brain. However, science has shown that with the help, the healing, the therapy, the counseling, that child's brain is completely restored. However, the trauma they have experienced at a young age does affect them. And the sad reality is if that child does not get that help or healing, That trauma can continue to affect them all throughout their life. There are men and women who were victims of abuse 10 or 20 years ago. And there are certain things about their behavior or character that clearly exhibits that something went on during their childhood. That the past continues to be in the present because they have not had the opportunity to deal with it. For each and every one of us, no matter what you may have been through in childhood, whether it was happy, sad, traumatic, our childhood shapes us. The things that we do, the way that we speak, communicate, dress and act, that is as a result of the exposures we have. Media can influence us. Our environment, our culture, our parents can all influence us and that makes us become who we later are in adulthood. To go into a little bit more depth of currency, let me explain. Now, let's pretend you are a native English speaker. When you go to Spain and you're in a village that is non-English speaking, your currency would be a Spanish translator. Let's put ourselves in the UK. You've got no money on you and you're hungry. Your currency becomes food. Let's put you in the Philippines. You take the wrong bus and you end up in the wrong place. You've got no Wi Fi connectivity, your battery's dead, you've got no money, and you're alone. What is your currency? A map or a tour guide? What I'm trying to explain is that currency can change. In other words, vulnerabilities can change. If you're in a relationship, then your currency in that relationship is love and affection, which you're receiving when that relationship goes downhill, your currency would change. Because even though you are getting love and affection and attention in that relationship, when it starts to go downhill, your currency will change and you're going to start to look for love in a different place. I'll give you an example so that you can better understand this. Now let's consider a celebrity couple. A husband and wife who are both successful million-dollar musicians. They have a son and a daughter. Now, that son and daughter have money, cars, jewelry. They have everything that money can buy. But realistically speaking, because these children are just 10 and 11, their parents will be traveling the world, singing in concerts, whilst the 10 and 11-year-old will be in school. And concerts aren't usually between the hours of 9am to 3pm when a child would be in school. Concerts are evenings, weekends, they may be overseas, out of town, out of state. Many of us wish that we had celebrity parents, wish we had all the money in the world, without realizing that money does come with responsibilities and money comes with sacrifices. For these singers to promote their songs, To promote their work their mission whatever it is that is behind their music maybe they want people's lives to be transformed and so they go to remote villages and sing and teach or maybe they just stand up in concerts and inspire people enable people to be in an environment that is positive that's uplifting just giving people a platform to dance and have a party it could be as simple as that but that 10 and 11 year old will not have the access that the rest of us do to their parents, pretty much 24 hours a day. Now imagine if your mom or dad is a teacher, works in a school from 9 to 3. Although your parents are in school, your mother or father are in school, they're at work, you can call the school during breaks, during lunchtime, and if it's an emergency, you can call the school and your mother or father can get on the phone. When your mother or father or both parents are singing at a concert, that concert is not going to be interrupted because you're sick at school. You've got a headache or you're not feeling well. When you are a celebrity child, yes, you have everything, but the things that you're often missing, not always, but often missing is time, attention. And I say that because many of you may, when you see the news, may wonder, Why is it that we have celebrity children, celebrity teenagers, celebrity young adults, shoplifting, drinking and driving, driving under the influence of drugs? Now, that's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that they get caught. Because many a time, celebrity children may be drinking under the influence. But when they drink under the influence, they would often, in my opinion drive in an area where they're going to get stopped. And I say that because logically, if you want to drink or drive under the influence, wouldn't you do it in a safe place where you're not going to be caught and arrested and your face plastered on the front cover of a newspaper the next day? But remember what I said, when your celebrity parents are busy in concert, traveling, touring, you want attention. And so I believe it is completely realistic in such a circumstance for you to get yourself caught shoplifting, to drive in an area known for police presence under the influence. Because when you get arrested, who's going to come and rescue you, mummy or daddy? Logical, right? The point I'm trying to make is that every one of us has a need. And that need can be taken advantage of. So it's really important for you to be able to determine what is my need. When you know your need is time, love, affection, translation, and somebody can provide that need, then you, of course, need to take a step out of that situation and observe that behavior. So for example, I personally had a need quite recently. I had a need for support in relation to the work I was doing. And I reached out to somebody and they offered me that support. So my currency was support. Now, unfortunately, that person overheard one of my conversations when I had failed to correctly disconnect the phone. And in the conversation, I had said that I am not romantically interested in this person. The only reason I communicate with them is because we are in the lockdown. Now, I don't want that to be misunderstood. I'm not saying without a lockdown, I won't communicate what I mean by that. Outside of the lockdown, I might send an odd WhatsApp message, an odd email. But during the lockdown, I have the facility to be on the phone for three hours or four hours. I have the capacity to be calling, to be making voice notes. But in the real world, I don't phone call people and I rarely make voice notes, but things were different. Unfortunately, They heard this, I believe they interpreted that, and I believe that their intention to support me was not completely pure. In other words, from some of the things that they would say to me that were not immoral or criminal whatsoever, my feeling is that they were romantically interested in me. The feeling was not mutual. And so when I made that comment on the phone, because they were still listening in as I was talking to someone else, I'm not interested, they disappeared. Now think about things were different. My need was support. This person provided support. And if things were different and that person continued to support, maybe I would start to look at them a bit different. Maybe I might become romantically interested. Now I can tell you that would never happen. But the point I'm trying to make is when a person can meet your need, because we are emotional creatures, before you know it, you can end up becoming putty in their hands. Now, if a guy likes a girl or vice versa, they may groom them in a non-criminal fashion because they want to marry them one day. So don't ever perceive that grooming is always wrong. No, grooming can be done in very positive and healthy ways. At the end of the day, it is a means for us to be able to get a person prepared for a relationship, for marriage. But in the case of pedophiles, preparing that child for sexual exploitation. I realize this is a lot for you to get your head around and I want to spend more time expanding on grooming and currency. And I have some more examples that I'd like to share with you in the following episodes of being groomed in a non-criminal way as an adult. And actually, I shared recently with a group of people about some of the examples of when I had been groomed as an adult and how I had felt in those situations. And what is quite sad is that often we as people may make excuses for a person's behavior because of their title. And I feel it's really important for us to look at a person's character and not at their title. Just because somebody is a pastor A religious leader, a judge, a lawyer, a teacher does not mean to say that that person does not make mistakes, does not commit criminal acts at all, because the reality is that some of those very same professions, some of the professionals in those professions actually do commit heinous crimes against innocent victims. And if we look in the media, we can see many examples of people in positions of power, authority, and trust, who use their position and status to take advantage of another person. Far too often, we give Catholic priests a bad name, and I want people to know, Catholic priests, in my opinion, are not paedophiles. People who are paedophiles are sometimes Catholic priests. I'll say that again. Catholic priests are not pedophiles, people who are sometimes Catholic priests are, because the sad reality is we've become so fixated on Catholic priests that we forget about every other denomination and religion and in fact I know of many stories of non-Catholic priests, pastors and religious leaders who take advantage sexually of young girls and even sometimes young boys. Tune in next week so that you can learn more about the issues of abuse, trafficking, grooming, currency. What is your currency? That is the question we're going to pick up next week. What is your currency? And of course, if you'd like to get a copy of my book, please do reach out to me. You can find my information on my website, changingcases.org. That's changing cases.org tune in next time so that you can hear more on these very very sensitive but important issues